0: Seriously? Can we really overcome our fears? So you see, as we increasingly fear God by trusting, praying, and practicing gratitude, our sinful fear will decrease. This godly fear will actually drive out all of our sinful fear. It is the answer.
1: All right, welcome to Unshaken. I'm your host, Julie Van Warmer, and it's great to have you listening today. This podcast is to encourage you and I and any woman who listens that we can be unshaken because of Christ, no matter our circumstance. Today is episode 160. That's crazy. We've gotten 160 episodes, and this is our seventh installment this year of our Feminology series, and this year we've been really focusing each of those particular weeks on um, emotions and all the different types of emotions that we might have. And I'm really excited today because I have another friend, another friend, but a brand new friend to the podcast um, on the podcast today. And I'm going to introduce you to my friend, Rebecca Wing. Rebecca, I'm really glad to have you with us today. Hello. Thank you for having me. So Rebecca, I want you to tell us a little bit about who you live with and what you do each day.
0: Well, I'm married to Steve Wing, who's a doctor and works a crazy schedule, and um, also, we have eight children, Wow! But now we have six of them living with us. Okay, Apparently, so you're downsizing. We're downsizing. <laughs> Although, we've upsized by adding two of my parents, my my two parents. Oh,
1: so okay. you're the same as you were, huh? Yes. Different, different types of needs, for sure, but your family, your home is full. Yes. All the time.
0: But it has changed in the past. I've um, homeschooled, and yeah. then slowly we've added kids into the public school. And when my parents moved in, we then put all of them into okay. to public school. And,
1: and you've had kids move up and out too. You have yes. a couple too that, have, that are out have, of the house. Yeah, The two boys are out and Rylan's on daughter. her way yep. as well. On her way out. All right. I know how this is. I'm right there with you, girl. So, mm-hmm. okay. Something that I find really interesting about you is, well, first off, how long have you been married? 25 years. Okay. That's pretty exciting. Um, I'm on 26 this year. So, um, and so you have a lot of years, your, your, your husband's an ER doc. And, um, first off, I'm, I'm thankful for ER docs because they're like on the front line, right? Like they're dealing with a whole bunch of stuff when people come in, I'm sure it's his life. His job is pretty interesting. <laughs> and, um, this probably presents you with some interesting schedule dilemmas. Uh, I bet there's a lot of women listening whose husbands work like, I don't know, second shift, third shift, or maybe they work a split shift or they work like 412s. I don't know. My husband always worked throughout, a, he was a teacher. So he just worked a traditional, you know, eight to 230 job every day. Uh, now it's different as a realtor. But what kind of advice could you give to someone who's listening who has this? Like, how did you deal with raising a family, doing dishes, laundry, attending events, you know, like church or some of, wedding um, with such a strange or inconsistent schedule? And how did you fight the, the sin of resentment? Because I feel like I would be in resenting and comparing
0: all the time. Well, managing our family with my husband's weird schedule has not always been easy, but over the years uh, we found many ways to function well as a family unit. If I had to give my advice to others, I guess I would include three suggestions. One to be flexible, two to be creative and three don't compare. Mm. So in flexibility, We've learned over the years um, by adjusting our family's schedule to Steve's schedule in many ways. So, for example, um, meals, sometimes this included eating breakfast, lunch, or dinner at an earlier or a later time than normal. In homeschooling, we would often adjust school hours to Steve's schedule. So, if Steve was working afternoons, we would have free time in the morning with Steve. And then we'd do our school and chores after he went into work. Mm. And then, if he was working holidays, which was, probably happened a lot, yes, it did, um, we would celebrate the day before or after. And yes, um, this even included uh, Christmas. We've been blessed um, with many years of having Steve home for Christmas morning, or at least for the evening, but there were a few Christmases when he worked a full 12 hour shift. Hmm, wow. So, what we do, we just waited to celebrate until the next day. So, flexibility is a must That's really in good this advice. kind of weird, weird yeah. schedule. Yes. And then creativity, we had, you know, we, with Steve's schedule, um, creativity was important when considering meals. If he was going to be home for dinner, we would always make what he wanted and enjoyed, usually meat, veggies, and potatoes. Mm. But when he was working, that's when we could add our sauces, and we made (laughs) things that he may not like quite as much.
1: Okay. Did you ever just have cereal?
0: Sometimes, yes. (laughs) But it, it was our time to get creative. yes. Uh, If he was working nights and sleeping all day, waking up to a normal dinner with family was often hard after having coffee. So what did we do? We would just make breakfast for dinner. Oh, great idea. And then in hospitality, we got creative by grouping several families together in one day, or sometimes we'd have different families over multiple days in a row when Steve was off. But then when he would take a huge, we would take a huge hiatus when he was working the drudgery of nights. Yeah. And, and that makes sense. Yeah. And Julie, I think I remember even having your family over long, um, long ago for breakfast. Oh, yeah. And we had to use creativity that day by doing what worked for us at that time because he was working afternoons. So we have found a lot of ways to be creative.
1: And, and for me and my kids, my kids love breakfast food. I think a lot of kids love breakfast food, like eggs and bacon and
0: pancakes. And cereal. Yeah, and cereal. That's awesome. That's a great yeah. idea. So um, comparisons, you just can't compare. Families with dads working weird schedules, it's not going to look like normally scheduled families. It just won't. Um, Families shouldn't compare anyways. It doesn't help anything. So my advice is to focus on the blessings of doing things differently. Hmm. So when your husband's working, search for other women who might be in the same situation and have them and their children over. I got to know one of my best friends by getting together with her and children while our husbands were working weird hours. Hmm. Or maybe you could invite some single women in the church over or get adventurous and have some youth or young adult parties. Ooh, that does sound Your children adventure. like this. Yeah. Yep. It doesn't help to sulk and wish for a better schedule. It may never happen, so make the best of it and just don't compare. Yeah. And probably, um, well, I love that you talked about not comparing and that
1: everybody's family is different. I know that... When my husband was working um, a regular traditional job, he just couldn't take off the days as a teacher. But now with the schedule that he has as a realtor, he can adjust. And so sometimes we can like go do something all day or he's home in the morning because he works from home. You know, like I love that not to compare. Yeah, just be thankful for what God is. And given I think you.
0: everyone can use this advice in some way, yes. even if their husband doesn't have it. Yes,
1: but but I know when you have when you're brand new into work, sometimes you get the bad schedule. You know, young adults do. <laughs> so yes. you're working the hours. So that's great.
0: Um, oh, and then I have one more piece of advice. Okay, okay. Um, when it comes to invitations, um, like wedding invitations. Oh yeah. Um, sometimes your husband might be working, and my advice is just to go anyways. Hmm. So, for example, there's many times um, we've been invited to a wedding and Steve has been working. This has actually happened to me three times just in this past Mm -hmm. year. And I I just think if it happens to you, you should still go. Hmm. You could take a kid in your husband's place or just go alone and have fun. You can make the best of your situation and just wing it.
1: Ha, that's great for you considering your last name is Wing. wing I love it.
0: So don't compare yourself to other couples and don't sulk at home. Your presence will still bless the couple other attendees, and you can still find ways to have fun.
1: I love that because that happens to a lot of people. Different. It could even just be someone got sick. You know, like it's it's okay to stay home and or to go by yourself. I love that. Mm-hmm. So, Rebecca, today our topic is um, an emotion that probably every single woman who's listening has at some point in their life dealt with. The emotion that I am speaking of is fear. And I'm super excited because um, not only do I think every woman listening at times has had this problem or this challenge with fear, I know that I have. So, um, you know, it could be fears of danger or tragic things. It could be the fears of the what-ifs, you know, what's coming in the future. It could be fears of what might happen or or might even be a fear of something that's happened in the past that you're bringing back up. Uh, Likely everybody has dealt with this. So let's though start, since we have this a really, really deep topic, let's start with a fun question. Okay, so Rebecca, do you have any irrational fears? Like, for example, I know people who are fear have fear of spiders or even someone who has a fear of holes, which I think is weird, but I looked it up. It's called tripophobia. Everything's got the phobia on it. Likely, um, I, you know, I looked this up and I, I think it's weird, but it's like when there's a pattern of holes and there's some disease you can get on your hands that makes holes in your hands and it makes people weird. I'm sorry if I'm making anyone fearful right My now. My daughter's creeped out by okay, this. Okay. okay. Yeah. So do you have any irrational fears
0: Well, it's funny that you ask because I have a very uncommon, irrational fear. So I'm not going to be able to look this up? Probably not. Maybe there's a name for it. I (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I used to hold lizards, owls, tarantulas, even large snakes as an educator at the zoo. I had no problem with that and loved my fun, animal-loving job. But the one animal that I detest and never want to touch or see is, wait for it, seahorses. Oh, What? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, seahorses <laughs> seriously okay so my fear might make sense if seahorses were poisonous or it could kill you in some way but to my knowledge that's not a reality but i mean i just think they're just not right <laughs> a horse-looking creature swimming deep in the ocean what for what purpose right and the male carries the young instead of the female i just think it's weird but that still doesn't give me a reason to fear them it's just plain irrational The one thing that I do take comfort in is that for every 1,000 seahorses born, only one survives to adulthood. (laughs) So that is great news to me because I like to scuba dive. Ah. And so the likelihood of me running into a seahorse is much less because of this statistic. So this is one, like a statistic you reference frequently, huh? (laughs) Yes. So I'm very thankful for it. Yeah. Um, So some of you may be wondering how such a fear could come about. Well... When I was a child, we visited the aquarium at the Toledo Zoo one day, and seahorses seemed to have stuck in my mind during my visit because I had a terrible dream about them later that night. Oh. In my dream, there was a group of giant seahorses bouncing slowly up my narrow stairway straight to my bedroom. That does sound creepy. And then they slowly surrounded my bed, nodding their heads to me like they were asking me to join them or something. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I still remember that nightmare so clearly, like it happened yesterday. It was super creepy and made such an impression that it gave me a fear of them, like I can't stand to even see them or watch them swim when visiting an aquarium. Really? Sea dragons? No problem. Huh. It's the ones that look like horses that get me. Okay. Wow. So, what do my friends like to do? And my kids? They've taken great joy over the years in taunting me with this irrational fear, (laughs) sending me pictures of seahorse decor, buying me seahorse ornaments or figurines. But I think it's funny. And they shouldn't really waste their time or money because I just delete the pictures and toss the seahorse souvenirs (laughs) into the trash.
1: I love it. Because you can't have them in your home, right? So you're not going to have seahorse, like a seahorse wallpaper in your bathroom, right? Nope. Well, you know, that's a silly one. I know that, I mean, I wouldn't say it's silly because it's probably something that makes you feel uncomfortable, right? And I've had those, I don't really like birds around my head like when they're flying around my head and actually anything that flies around my head makes me feel really uncomfortable. And chickens, right? Chickens, don't like, I don't like chickens around my feet. And I think that's just a fear from when I was a little kid and I had to feed them and they would like they were so hungry, they would peck your ankles. I hated that. Um, I remember recently though I went to my mom's house and um I was walking up the back steps and my mom was holding like a a plate with a hat on top of it. And she was like standing at the door and she said, "Open the door. Open the door." And I was like, gosh, okay, you know, so I opened the door. And then she released, opened the hat, and out flew a bat. And it flew down the back of my head and landed on my neck. Oh, it makes me freaked out even thinking about it. And then it flew off, and it was fine, but I don't like things around my head. Now My grandma
0: used to, um, she gave us a fear of bats as well as kids (laughs) because she said if they got in your hair, they would get stuck.
1: Oh, The bats would get
0: stuck in your hair, so there was always this fear of... Bats getting stuck in your hair. I mean, hair. I'm not really afraid of bats now, but... Right. Yeah.
1: Well, I don't really like those things, but it's okay. We, we probably
0: all... I don't think it's a true true statement.
1: <laughs> okay. That's the right. Bats. That's right. It's not. We'll, we'll make that disclaimer. That is not true, yeah. that bats will get stuck in your hair. Um, it didn't get stuck in my hair when the bat was on my neck. It just freaked me out. Mm-hmm. But um, it's interesting, though, because these irrational fears are probably something that everybody has. We probably all have some kind of an irrational fear. But there are fears that are a little bit more, um, that are deeper or a little darker, maybe I'll say. And um, we might be faced with something that's just really uncomfortable, unplanned. And, you know, that's actually what our topic of the day is. So, Rebecca, I am really looking forward to hearing you talk on this. Um, You know, recently my son Daniel and I were driving in the car and, oh, I don't know how we got talking about names and I told him, "Hey, do you know what your name is from?" And he said, "Oh, I think it's out of the Bible." And I said, "Yep. I was reading about Dan. I was reading in the Book of Daniel, and his middle name is Nehemiah. So I was reading in Nehemiah when he was born, which led us to talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and about the fear they would have had." Um, Daniel, when he was thrown in the lion's den and how God provided an answer and how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown in the fiery furnace. Then I said, you know, there were some women in the Bible, including Esther, who faced some pretty deep fears. I mean, although Esther was the queen, um, she still um, had to go in and speak to the king, and that could have been her death, and someone was after her and all of the Jewish people at the time. So it is pretty interesting to think about these people in the Bible and how they responded to fear. So I think it's a really good topic to talk about. So Rebecca, I'm looking forward to hearing some really good direction on how we as women can deal with this common emotion. So lay it on us, Rebecca. Thank you.
0: So you are having a great start to your day. You and your kids are getting ready for an exciting day out at the local amusement park. The car is packed with coolers for lunch, snacks for the way home, and of course your kids. They are excited for a day of fun and no schedule, and the new Fright Flight ride that has just opened up this summer. Halfway through your drive there, the phone rings. It is your doctor's office, and they tell you the unwanted news about your biopsy. Fear grips you. You start fretting, crying, and your kids can sense that you are distraught with despair. You know God's promises, but your mind goes immediately to worry about your future, your husband's reaction, and your kids'. How will your husband take care of the kids if you die? How will your kids grow up without a mother? How would you react if this was you? So what is fear? The Webster Dictionary gives three different definitions. One, it is defined as an unpleasant, often strong emotion that is caused by an anticipation of awareness of danger. Some synonyms for this word could be dread, alarm, terror, or panic. Two, it can also mean anxious concern or worry over a circumstance. And three, the third definition describes a profound reverence and awe of someone, especially toward God. Mm. Of course, God gave us the reaction of fear for our safety in dangerous situations. We stand away from the edge of a cliff because we know that we could fall to our death. We teach our children to fear traffic and to look both ways before crossing the street because we know the impact of a car hitting them could kill them. We hear a distinct rattling sound while on a hike, and we know to stay far away, knowing a rattlesnake could cause great harm if we are bitten. These are good instincts that God has given us to protect us. But today we will focus on sinful fear and godly fear. Worry and anxiety over present and future circumstances is sinful fear. We are commanded in Scripture over and over not to worry simply because it does nothing good for us. It only spirals us into fret as, we, as well as leading us into other sins. We are also commanded not to worry because when we do, we are trying to play God, mm. attempting to control every aspect of our life. We all have fears that we deal with daily. Health? How long will I live? Will I die from my diagnosed disease? Will my spouse die unexpectedly like his father did? What will I do about finances if my spouse dies before me? Who will take care of me when I grow old? For teens, what will my friends think of me if I share the gospel? What will my parents think if I don't keep my 4.0 GPA and get into my college of choice? What if I don't find a spouse? For older singles, who will take care of me when I grow old? If I stay single, will I be overwhelmed with loneliness? Will I ever be able to retire? For newly marrieds, what if I can't get pregnant? What if my husband doesn't find me attractive after having children? What if our kids don't grow up to love the Lord? In Matthew 10, we are reminded that God even cares for the sparrows and knows every hair on our head. Why do we fret and worry over things that we cannot control? God has it and we need to let go. Sure, there are times that we need to take action and be courageous, just like Esther. We need to obey God's commands and not become lazy in our many responsibilities that He has given us, but we need to remember that God is in complete and absolute control of the details. He also commands that we not fear and He promises to strengthen us, help us, and uphold us as stated in Isaiah 41.10. We need to obey these commands and trust in His promises. In my life, I can think back to many times where fear took hold of me. As a child, I had a fear of man, making me worry about having friends at school. I would engage in stupid stunts to make a statement and show that I wasn't a goody-goody. Even in adulthood, fear of man continued, I would do many things for man's glory and not for God's. I was finding my identity in what my friends thought of me so that I could stay close to them. It was wrong. Proverbs 29.25 reminded me that the fear of man lays a snare— but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. It was a trap. It felt good to be accepted, loved, and in cahoots with friends, but it did not bring me closer to God, only further away. As I have grown to trust the Lord more and more, fear of man has been squelched in many areas of of my life, and God is still refining me. Mm. Most recently, as my children continue to age and leave the roost, this fear of man has again reared its ugly head. I'm currently fearing future relationships with my children as they become adults and their needs change. Will they still enjoy coming home when they move out for good? Will they still confide in me and ask for advice? What if I lose the ability to relate to them and they only look to others? Will they forgive my husband and me for failures in raising them? As I struggle to fight the fear of man in this area, what am I to do? I need to pray and seek God and His Word for truth again and again. Reading Galatians 1.10 this week, I have been reminded that when I am trying to seek the approval of man—in my current situation, it's my grown kids—I can't be a servant of Christ.
2: Mm.
0: Another example in my life that I would like to share with you is a time when child-rearing did not produce what we as parents intended. Did we really think that we could control the heart, thoughts, and actions of our adult children? We pray for all of our children to come to faith. And when things did not seem to be going as expected for one child, I fell into a spiral of despair, fearing that this child would never be a child of God. Instead of meditating and focusing on God's promises, I sulked and imagined every horrible outcome possible for months. I began to question God's goodness and did not lean on His word, instead trying to come up with ways to fix the situation on my own. This hyper-focus on this circumstance affected my health, Relationship with my other children and my relationship with God. It led to other sins of bitterness, selfishness, hopelessness, and isolation. I was simply not trusting in God's promises. I was praying, but in a selfish way. I wanted my prayers answered now and my way. I passed off my sin of worry as being concerned and mourning over my child's sin. Hmm. I had to get honest with myself and see my sin for what it really was. It was flat-out fear. During this hard situation, some of my friends wrote me encouraging notes with Scripture. I still have them next to my bathroom sink to this day. And one friend gave me a beautiful Scripture template with many verses of God's promises on them. I had it printed, then cut out the individual verses, placing them in my car and various other locations so that I would see them often and reflect on God's promises over and over again. Slowly, I started dwelling, meditating and reading his word daily, and was lifted out of the pit of despair. I needed repentance, and Acts 8, to 23 reminded me to pray that the intent of my heart be forgiven. I was definitely in the gall of bitterness and bond of iniquity, and I needed to repent. As I gained hope, I started sending some encouraging verses to my struggling loved one, not daily, but every few days. I never received a response, but started to gain confidence that God would use these very verses to work in their life. My hope in the Lord, not in myself or my loved one, was becoming evident. So what are the outcomes of my sinful fears and even yours? The things that we are fearing may eventually become our realities, or we may be blessed with the opposite. But God is sovereign, and our fretting changed nothing along the way. Instead of continuing in sinful fear, we should instead be trusting God to work out His plan according to His purpose, knowing that we should rejoice in our sufferings. We know from Romans 5, 3, and 4 that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And we also need to count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's from James 1, 2 through 4. As Christians, we need to expect trials and know that God is working through them in many ways that we may not even comprehend. So, what do we find as the answer to our sinful fear? The answer is always to turn to fearing the Lord instead. Now, there are two ways in which people fear the Lord. There is a servile fear of the Lord and a filial fear of the Lord. The servile fear is the fear that the slave or prisoner has of his torture. It is a paralyzing fear of God. Even the demons believe and shudder in James 2.19. And the servants who hid his talent in Matthew 25 was lazy and afraid to lose the one talent he was given. This is not the fear of the Lord that we should be pursuing. It is not productive, and those who only obtain this fear of God will not inherit the kingdom of God. In contrast, filial fear is the kind of fear that a child has of being distant or not pleasing his father. So this kind of fear is driven by awe, reverence, and love of the Lord. There is a strong desire to draw closer to the Lord and to please Him. Acquiring a filial fear of the Lord drives out any servile fear of the Lord. As we obtain this filial fear of God, we want to get to know Him better and better and trust in His promises. In Psalm 145, 8 and 18-20, through We will personally know that the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. We will start to live confidently, knowing that he will fulfill his promises in our day-to-day lives if we love him. As we learn to know and love him more, we look forward to the inheritance of the kingdom of God. Yep. So what are some ways that we can draw closer to God and increase our filial fear of God? For one, we need to simply learn to trust God in his promises, as we have mentioned previously. And Psalm 118 reminds us that the Lord is on our side, that he is our helper, and that we need to take refuge in the Lord. Why do we continue to trust in man when God has given us these promises? Are you looking to man to find your answers to the things you fear? Don't do it. Trust God and his word, period. Secondly, we need to pray and spend time with him, and this without ceasing. We have been given the great gift of having direct access to God in prayer, and we need to approach this throne of grace boldly. Philippians 4, 6-7 tells us to not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Mm. So in praying to God and taking all of our worries to Him, we are promised His peace. Mm. Is your mind in constant worry? Pray. Are you dwelling on the future of your kids? Pray. Go to Him in prayer in all situations and boldly. Thirdly, we can fear the Lord and get to know who He is by practicing gratitude and serving Him in return. 1 Samuel 12, 24 says, Only fear the Lord and serve Him faithfully with all of your heart. For consider what great things He has done for you. When we recount the great many things that God has done for us, we learn to love Him more and serve Him faithfully in return. There are many ways that we can practice gratitude. Journal your gratitude daily. Recount the things that God has done for you while you are on long walks with a friend. Or bless others in ways that you have been blessed by God. Knowing and serving God more will always result when we focus our minds on all the things that God has done for us. So you see, as we increasingly fear God by trusting, praying, and practicing gratitude, our sinful fear will decrease. This godly fear will actually drive out all of our sinful fear. It is the answer. Mm. Just this past weekend, while driving in busy Cincinnati traffic, my girls and I found ourselves out of gas. It's a long story, (laughs) but we had to pull over on a busy and dangerous part of the highway. I felt the initial panic as there was no berm to pull over to due to construction barricades. God provided one small area behind some construction cones that fit our van. It was still a dangerous area to be, but I felt peace and trusted God as we waited for help. My girls and I prayed for his protection and praised God for providing the small pull-off for us. In years past, I know that my response would have been different. I would have parked in the panic mode for days. Praise God that my initial panic now quickly turns to prayer and praise. It is, comfort, it is comforting to see God growing me and squelching fear as I trust in Him more and more, drawing closer to Him each day. My filial fear of God is growing. So I ask you, are you struggling with fear in your life? In what areas of your life do you need to replace sinful fear... With the filial fear of God, how are you going to deal with it going forward? My prayer for you comes from a verse that I printed as a daily reminder to me from my friend during my hard time, Psalm 46:3. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you.
1: Hmm. Wow, um, I have so many thoughts for you, Rebecca. I-, I feel like this was really good. But the first thought is. Who helped you when you were on the side of the road? Did you have to call like AAA or something? Did you get some gas? AAA. AAA. Okay, good. But that's a great practical one. And I also love that you said that you would have parked in panic mode for days. I mean, how many times do we honestly park in panic mode and don't get out of it? And we stay there. And we stay there. So get, you know, turn the engine back on. And you're you're telling me the way you turned your engine on is to pray and to praise God. And that's really, really practical. I also thought it was interesting. Have you ever had um, like a passage you read and then it just shows up everywhere? Well, a few weeks ago, I started reading Psalm 118 every day in preparation for something. And that's what you referenced. That's one of the verses. Mm-hmm. You referenced a whole bunch of verses. But and I love... There's many more. Oh, there's many. About tons. fear. There's yes. There's so many. <laughs> Obviously, God knew that we would struggle with this. Mm-hmm. So he gave us some great answers. But in Psalm 118, I kind of thought this was a great ending Um, out of my distress, I called on the Lord and the Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. That's your verse you put in. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in men. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. And I thought that was a great, a great verse that you brought up. And I just read the verses around it. Um, this has been very helpful and I, I hope women who are listening will find it to be very helpful and very practical. And, you know, it we, we have to deal with these emotions. This is one of those emotions that when we were preparing to talk through it, we're like, Well, God gives us fear when, you know, to not walk out in the middle of a street. So it's one of those emotions that God gives to us, but we can also do it sinfully. And you really did a
0: great job walking us through that. So would you pray for us today? Yes, I'd be happy to. Dear Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for being such a kind and loving Father to us. Help us not to fear and to instead trust in you alone. Instill in us the desire to want to know and love you more. By choosing to trust in you, we will conquer our sinful fears. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
1: it's time for this episode's tiny tidbit. A tiny tidbit is a small, tiny piece of information that can help you in a really big way. Today's tiny tidbit is brought to you from Kelly Jagosinski, or actually, as I put in my phone, Kelly Jag, because I do not know how to spell your last name. I need to look it up. It's actually a fancy last name. It's
2: very Polish. It is. Yes. Yes. It, it, it also um, is shortened by a lot of people. And I'm Kelly J., Oh, Kelly J. That would be fun. I mm-hmm. like that. that. That's kind of like a, a rapper name.
1: <laughs> Kelly J, you know. <laughs> so, Kelly, you're actually going to tell us a tiny tidbit related to names. Yeah, names and
2: faces. Okay, I love it. Let's hear what you got. So, let me start with the little tricks that I picked up. Um, and I'll start with repetition because that is how we... Make new motor plans for everything. Yep. So I repeat the names at least five times. I often do this while I'm talking to them and repeat their name back to them. I also ask their spouse and children's name as well as last name. I may not remember everyone. Yeah. It helps to associate and it is easier recall next time I meet them. Yeah. Number two, practice. Seems simple, right? Yeah. After we, all, me- <laughs> we always have to practice when we have something <laughs> <laughs> after meeting people i go home and practice or even on my way home hmm. i know that may sound silly but it is really helpful yeah i speak the names aloud to myself and i try to ca- recall each family member's name as well and number three write it down if i have a pen and paper handy i will write it down immediately following or if not I will go home and try to remember and re-write the names down to refer back to later. Okay, I knew a, I knew a young pastor guy who kept one of those little notebooks, like a little spiral-bound thing mm-hmm. in his pocket.
1: And that's what he would do. He'd pull it out, and he would. I'd see him write it down. And I remember one time I said, what are you writing? And he said, I'm writing down the new people's names. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> but, so helpful. Yeah, that's a great idea. Because as
2: much as I do try, I will be like, oh, wait, what was their first name <laughs> yep. again? I forgot. yep. Number four, family. I like to find the relatives. If I'm in a community like church, for example, I learn the pastor's children's names and Mm -hmm. then put those families together. This adds to the amount of people who I know and, however, never had an actual conversation with. (laughs) So I can then go up to them, introduce myself, and I already know their name and maybe Mm -hmm. even a few other kiddos' names. That's a great idea. Um,
1: I love that because it's not just about knowing. You're you're going beyond, Mm -hmm. right? And that helps you the next time you talk to them.
2: Well, it also really helps with your recall in general. Mm -hmm. So the same with my patients. I work in healthcare and I get to talking to them and asking them a lot about their family, mostly so I can figure out how to help them best. Mm -hmm. But when I do learn their family's names and more about them, it helps me remember their name. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, Uh, I, I wanted to
1: share real quick in the with my kids, when they were little, we had a game in, that we'd play in the car a lot, mm-hmm. and it was guess the people from church. Oh, fun. And so then I would describe people from church, and they had to, my kids had to guess, and whoever, like, people would win. And the kids loved it. They loved it. They would spend, then they would do it for each other, and it was really funny how they described people, I have to
2: say. But <laughs> but bet. it was a
1: great way for your kids to learn people's names, too, at least to figure it out. So
2: that's good. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. I have to say, I've not always been so mindful of the importance of learning others' names, and I used to be that person who said, Ooh, I'm terrible at remembering people's names. Yeah, give an excuse. Yeah. In my opinion, (laughs) that previous statement is an excuse. (laughs) I do not have any superpowers or special giftings, other than I love people that Mm -hmm. God has placed before Mm -hmm. me. There is something very special and meaningful when someone remembers your name. Yep. I'm also not afraid to go up to someone I am certain I have met and say, excuse me, I believe we have met, but forgive me. Could you please remind me of your name? (laughs) Yes. I then start at number one to relearn their name. Love it, your little step-by-step. I mean, whatever, it's corny, but it works. It does. It really is, it just revolves around practice and Mm -hmm. and being intentional. Mm -hmm. When I first began attending a new church in December of 2021, One of the first things that I experienced was genuine, authentic love from people here. The church I currently attend is fairly large with large families. I ask God to please help me to make relationships and help me with name recall of the people that I meet. I pray that my little tricks help you with names and face recall. I am blessed by my church body and very grateful to God." Yeah, that's really helpful. And you know what? There is That's
1: loving. To remember somebody's name, it is. Yeah, it's just, especially kids' names. Mm-hmm. That's a big one, and I am blessed when someone knows my kids. Mm-hmm. So knowing the
2: kids, you've already you're already in there, girl, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I can say that um, I began helping out in church on Wednesdays, and one of my goals was by like week. It's only once a week. But by week three, knowing all the kids' names, and by week two, I knew all their names. And I was so excited. But I'll tell you, it was because I went home and practiced. Yeah. There was nothing supernatural. Did you take pictures of the kids? I would have done that. Help me. I I didn't.
1: Okay. No. I don't know. Maybe people don't want you to take pictures of the kids. But for me, it would help me to remember, put names and faces. Uh, Absolutely.
2: I'd still confuse some of them. There are some (laughs) kids that look similar. Yeah. And I've I've been known to call them by the wrong yeah, name, but that's okay. They're,
1: they, they're used to it with brothers and sisters that's exactly for sure. Right.
2: That's exactly <laughs> Thank right. Thank you, Kelly. That was
1: so helpful and very, very practical. You're welcome. All right, thank you so much for listening to this episode today. It has been a great conversation and a conversation that I think is really, really practical. I hope that you learned as much as I did and I hope we all put it into practice, okay? Join us next week for our second installment of our book chat. We are reading the book Humility by CJ Mahaney. We will be working on this pride monster some more that is in all of us. Um, Erica Simpson and I have been working through this book. She comes on with me, we talk. Honestly, I think I've told you this before, but it's kind of a selfish reason that I did it because I wanted to read the book again. So you all get to join us on this journey, but I do hope that you will read chapters five through eight in preparation for next week's episode. Hey, don't forget to follow or like us on Facebook or Instagram at Women of the Word CTW for some great content that is really helpful, challenging, and encouraging. And don't forget to subscribe to Unshaken on your favorite podcast directory, not only does it help us out because the more um, the more people who subscribe, the more subscribers, the more our podcast gets out, but it also helps you out because you'll get notifications when each new episode drop each and every Thursday. And remember that when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress because of God. Until next time.